Have you heard the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover? But that's what people do, right? We judge everything by outward appearances. In my experience, a great album cover can make or break the decision on whether I buy an album. So go on a journey with me as we look at some great album cover designs and talk about why I believe that you need a personal designer for your album artwork. This is Judged by the Cover. Welcome to the Judged by the Cover podcast, and today I have a special interview episode with a really good friend of mine, Brent Crow. But before we jump into that, some important podcast stuffs. Judged by the Cover is brought to you by JW Creates. JW Creates is your graphic design source specializing in cover art design, logos, websites, and so much more. As a musician myself, I fell in love with album covers and this fueled a passion to visually tell stories and promote branding through the art of graphic design. To learn more, see some of my work, or if you're just interested in connecting with me, go to jwcreates.com. Judged by the Cover is proud to be part of the Pod Nugent Network. If you are a fellow podcaster looking for a partner to help give you the tools to make your show the best it can be, or just interested in connecting with other podcasters in the Chattanooga area, make sure to follow Pod Nugent Network on Facebook and Instagram, or learn more at chatpod.com, and that's chat with two T's, pod.com. Lastly, reviews are awesome. I'd love to hear from you, hear what you think about the show, and would love recommendations for future shows. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I would really appreciate if you could take a couple minutes and leave a review. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Much better after that breakfast. Yes, breakfast was great. A great way to start the day with like... Potatoes, eggs, pancakes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So before we get started in who Brent is, I want to take a minute and and brag on Brent. Uh, So when we first moved to Chattanooga, Brent was actually one of the first people that I really got to know. And I learned really quickly that he was into music. Uh, He was full time with the studio then. So we got to connect over this shared interest. And when I kind of came to this realization that what I wanted to do was to create album covers and stuff like that, Brent really gave me my first shot way before I was ready. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that first project we worked on, uh, Known by Name? No. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember sending you, it, and at this point, it would probably be like what I would consider a concept, but I thought like, this is it. This is the final version. And you being like, yeah, this is great, but uh, can you change these things? <laughs> and at that point, I was doing all my design work on my iPhone. Ooh. <laughs> and so Brent's like, you know, can you, you know, bump the saturation up and stuff like that? And I'm like, I maybe can't do that. <laughs> So I learned really quickly that I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to do this for real, I need like Photoshop. So I had to take that idea into Photoshop. I knew enough to be dangerous in like how to use Photoshop. And so I had to recreate it in Photoshop, basically not knowing what to do. And you were very gracious and walked me through some of the... That's uh, that's funny. I didn't even know some of that stuff. So <laughs> <That's>... uh... <laughs> I had a feeling about some of that because I remember like asking you for the final file in a certain format and you being like, I think I can do that. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember like turning to my wife and being like, he's going to have to learn a few things if he's going to be for real with his graphic design business. But like the concept was so great and the artwork was so well done that I'm just like the, I like the, the creativity for the design is all there. 
you just have to get the systems in place behind it to yeah. to match what you what you're coming up with in your brain. So yeah, so that's no, funny. That's great. Uh, I just want to say thank you for yeah. giving me a shot and uh, helping me quickly realize that I was not as ready as I thought I was. Uh, <laughs> and it's just been it's been really fun to work with you. And you've always been just a, a great supporter of, of JW Creates and what I do here. And so I thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about some other fun stuff that we've worked on too. But mostly I just wanted to say thank you. So before we get too far into that, Brent, I know a lot of my listeners probably don't know who you are. So why don't you just take a minute, give us the the who you are, where you come from, how you got into music, all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, that could be a really long story that I'll try and make not super long. But you got as much um, time as you want. First off, I just want to say I'm really excited to be here on the podcast. It's very very interesting for me because I was a part of conversations with Josh uh, about this podcast uh, months before the podcast even existed. Um, so it's very cool for me to be here actually on the podcast. Uh, it feels super weird with my friend sitting here like bragging on my work and stuff like that, but it's, it's an honor to be here and be part of it. Yeah, um, and it was really cool just to, to kick this thing off by hearing about like how um, we've played a role in each other's like creative work and stuff like that. So yeah. um, for me, like I've uh, part, part of what I've done for the past few years is I, I run a recording studio called backbeat sound design. That is uh, mostly on hiatus right now, as I focus on family and some other things, but for a long, a long time I did uh, like really basic cover art for customers that came in um, because they didn't have anywhere else to go and couldn't really do it themselves. And it was like, it was something that I was capable of doing, but never really liked doing. Um, and it was just kind of an annoyance. Like I'd spend time working on production of a song and then finish it and be like, I'm not quite done. I have to do this cover art for them. And people always have crazy <laughs> ideas and want you to execute stuff. That's like not possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when, like when I kind of got to know Josh a little bit and he was just like, I want to make, uh, you know, I want to do graphic design and do cover art for albums. And I'm just like, great, I'm going to send all of my customers to you and I'm never going to do another one ever again. And, you know, I've done that with quite a few different people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been kind of a fun partnership to have that. But then even on, on my own music, it's like the first thing that I do now is like before the song is even finished, I put the, put it in Josh's mind. Like, this is what I'm working on. Uh, I would love for you to do the cover because stuff that you do is much better than, uh, what I can come up with because my brain's really focused on the product, like the audio production yeah. side of things. And yeah. Like I kind of like graphic design, but not enough to really like hone that craft that much. So to have someone that's close by and a good friend that I know I can trust is it's a really great partnership to have. So, um, but you asked me, uh, who I am. So, uh, <laughs> that was, I got off on a tangent already no, on the fir- very first question of the day. Um, so I, I don't know who I am is the best way to put it, but um, I think I'm here today because I'm a musician and a a solo artist in some regard there. And we're talking a little bit about that. Um, So that's been, uh, you know, one, one chapter or one segment of my life. I've been a recording artist and a, uh, who's released music and albums and things like that. Um, Maybe a bigger part of my life has been as a music producer, working on other people's music and things like that. That's what I've spent a lot of time over the past like six, seven years doing is producing other people's music. Um, And there's only so much creative energy in your brain. So as I've gotten busy with the studio and things like that, I haven't spent as much time focusing on my own music um, simply because I haven't had the the time or the brain power to do it. So I've just kind of poured that same energy into other people's stuff. Um, 
and outside of the the music world, I also um, I'm the operations director at uh, C4 Church, which is uh, I don't I don't know who all is listening, but in Chattanooga <laughs> here, um, it's a church that that both Josh and I have been attending for quite a few years, yep. um, and it's uh, it's an honor to be a part of of what we're doing there at C4. Um, get to work with my best friends on a daily basis and stuff like that, and um, you know, play in the on the worship team, uh, one of the worship leaders there, and things like that, and just a lot of behind the scenes, uh, not, not so creative things. We have other people that handle the creative things and I do the, the annoying analytical behind the scenes systems things for the church, which is, uh, it's a whole different, different game than (laughs) like, than being a music producer, but it's a, it's a good balance for, uh, the different, the different parts of my life. So, yeah. So that's who I am, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so you talked about it a little bit and, uh, as far as, you've you've kind of run the spectrum of being parts of bands from as early as 14 is that yeah (laughs) josh is throwing back to our breakfast conversation this morning that just had both of us rolling at how ridiculous my first experience playing in a band was but um yeah i was in a, a wannabe rock band when i was 14 and we did some recording that was really terrible using some like 10 dollar microphones and a awful awful computer recording software and all this stuff and we were talking about all the different projects that i did over the years early on that that no one ever gets to listen to ever again because they're really truly terrible um (laughs) but all of that kind of like paved the way like if you can make something sound decent with terrible gear Mm -hmm. then you can make stuff sound really solid once you have the right gear and the right tools and stuff like that so it was the years of doing all of that like figuring out how to make terrible instruments with terrible microphones and terrible software make it sound halfway decent when you have good instruments and good microphones and good tools then it's so much easier to make it sound good because you've already learned how to how to manipulate it and stuff like that so so that's like how everything started for me was playing in, in bands. I mean, I actually grew up like taking piano lessons and stuff like that. So I've been a musician like from as early as possible, but always like wanted to get out of the the world of like classical piano and get into, mm-hmm. you know, playing mm-hmm. in rock bands because it's way cooler and way more fun yeah, to, come on. <laughs> to be loud and stuff like that rather than playing, you know, nobody wants to like you know that's that just gets boring um and there's i mean there's a place for that and i have a lot of respect for classical musicians but it just never was the right thing for me i guess i wanted to yeah. pound on the piano and play rock music yeah, so rock, rock and roll, uh, baby. <laughs> so and I, i've gone in a lot of different directions with that playing in, in bands and doing solo stuff and um played in like a a punk band and yes. uh, spent a lot of time in worship bands and kind of different different genres and different spectrums and things like that. And, uh, I, me, all, all kinds of music are awesome. There are some that I love less than others, but they're, they're all great at the end of the day and they all have different elements that, um, that deserve respect. So, yeah. Yeah. And Brent is one of those guys that is kind of the, the master of all things. Uh, so you grew up playing piano, but he plays guitar, he plays bass, both of them at very high levels, and then also drums at, at a pretty high level, too. So you're just like a multifaceted... I guess. Um, and- I, I always feel weird talking about this because like, it's really hard to say, like, yeah, I play a lot of instruments without it feeling like it's coming across like, I'm awesome, <laughs> look at me! Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is, it is kind of a, a really... like Honestly, I, 
I don't know if it's okay to say this or not, but it's like a God-given talent to to be able to do those things. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like he's given me um, that has allowed me to do a lot of different, very cool things in music over the years. Yeah. Um, specifically when it comes to the studio that I've been, you know, a part of for the past few years, being able to play all those instruments on my own, working with different artists has allowed me to make um, pretty high quality music for people at a very affordable price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not really here like plugging my services or anything like that. Uh, it's just yeah. kind of a, a cool element of what I've been able to do because yeah. I don't have to bring in outside musicians. I don't have to pay a drummer to come in, pay a guitar player to come in. I can more or less take care of that stuff on my own unless it's like a really complicated part. And then maybe one out of every 30 songs that I work on, I'm like, hey, I need to bring this guy in to play a guitar solo or something like that. Um, but being able to take care of that all on my own, um, makes it really unique because not a lot of people can do that. Uh, and it lets me have, uh, a lot of control over like all of the elements of the music production. So when, when a song is finished, it's all been done like exactly the way that I want it rather than needing to deal with like, okay, well, I'm trying to get the drummer to play it this way, but he won't really do it. It was like, I did it myself. So, um, so it's worked really well for me and, uh, it's, it's kind of a, I guess a unique and, and, uh, I don't know, unique talent to have and, um, something that I, uh, I guess I'm proud of the ability to do that. Um, but I don't, I don't really want it to sound like, you know, look at me, I'm awesome. So well, see, I'm the one that brought it up. So that makes That's it hundred percent. So, okay. <laughs> so Josh is saying, look at me, I'm awesome. Yeah. Look at Brent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, talk about, uh, how that lends to like the creativity as a songwriter for yourself, where you, you can hear, see, you can even play all these different parts for songs and stuff like that. Is that something that that's helpful when it comes down to the songwriting process or I think that's a you don't you don't realize this, but that's like a, an incredibly deep question to ask. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I think when most people, most songwriters sit down, um, most people write either on an, on a guitar or a piano mm-hmm. and they just kind of sit down and they write the song and they're not really thinking about like dynamics or production value or things like that. They're just writing verses, choruses. And if they, you know, if they want to go play that song for a friend, it's going to kind of be one dynamic level straight through. Um, the way that my brain works is very much different. I'm like, even as I'm writing the song before the song is completed, I'm already thinking about like, okay, this is a down chorus. This is a big chorus. We're going to take this like, when I, once it's recorded, like this is going to be the big epic, like full everything at, you know, volume 11 out of 10 kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to bring it back here. And, you know, I'm thinking about all these different moving parts of how, uh, how the drums will play out, how the guitar parts will all kind of layer in and things like that. How, uh, background vocals, like I'm seeing, uh, you know, 60 different tracks, uh, in my head, more or less of different layers of keyboards and yeah. uh, instruments and things like that, even as I'm sitting there like writing the song. Uh, and that is cool and also super <laughs> frustrating yeah. because it is a distraction. For, so it stands in the way of me being able to finish songs and it, it, to an extent, like yeah. I think I think back to before I kind of my brain worked this way and I was able to write songs a lot faster and turn out stuff that was um, more unique, I guess, had weird things in it and yeah. unexpected things and used crazy chords and things like that. I used to write music in that way. 
And then I would take it and record it and figure out how the parts layer together in the recording process. But now my brain has shifted so much in, in into the music producer mode yeah. that like I can't not do that. So when I write music now, it's a lot more, uh, I guess, streamlined. It's, you know, ex- it's the chords that you expect rather than the weird ones that come out of right. nowhere. <laughs> right, because uh, you know it works. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it also just makes it a lot harder to actually finish the song because I'm like, okay, I got really good verses and choruses and the bridge needs to do this. How do I write to fit <laughs> what's in my head? And it doesn't yeah. always work like that. So right. it's right. Uh, it's a little weird. So that's just... Welcome to my brain. <laughs> I, I love it because I don't even know if I can call myself a wannabe songwriter. I probably have like two songs hidden in notes on my phone that I've tried <laughs> writing. And it's like, God, I can't even put words together, let alone think about like, what does a bridge sound like? What is that? <laughs> you know, uh, that's awesome. So I, I don't even know how to word this question, but you you told me and this was early days in the the business your recording studio uh maybe it was early days you told me about an album that you worked on and it was either with (laughs) brother-in-law and or maybe just a friend and it was like a electro pop oh gosh (laughs) here we go Uh, uh, i remember it being a lot of fun hearing this story (laughs) So full disclosure, we're driving back from breakfast and I said, hey, is there anything you want to and or don't want to talk about? He's like, nope, everything's free and clear. And here we are. This could be the one. So I'm no, that's fair. I didn't I didn't put it on the do not disturb list. So here we are. Um, So in the early days of uh, my studio, Backby Sound Design. I'm I'm self-taught as a music producer. Like I was saying, like a lot of that comes from spending time with $10 Radio Shack microphones and <laughs> yep. stuff like that. So when I actually started the studio, it was coming from a place of like, I am, I think I can do this well, <laughs> but that's about the most that I, like, I don't have a degree that says I can do this. I don't have a resume that says I can do this. What I do have is a bunch of stuff that's like, eh quality because of you know maybe because of me maybe because of the year maybe because of a combination but i'm i'm thinking with a lot of research that like if i have the right gear the right software all the right tools mm-hmm. in place mm-hmm. that i can make stuff sound really good so a lot of that meant like i needed a lot of trial and error and just practice uh as a music producer before i could get to the point of like charging a certain amount of money for customers uh, and really turning out like work that I can say, like, I'm, I'm very proud of this as a music yeah. producer. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I was open for business and I was doing stuff, not charging a ton of money and being like, this is definitely better quality than anything that I have put out in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's really, it's not quite where I want it to be yet. And the only way to really get there, like you can read every book on studio recording in the world. You can attend classes, you can get a degree. You can do all that stuff, but really like 99% of what's going to really hone that craft is just trial and error and experience. So I worked on a lot of projects, um, just little recordings for myself, you know, low budget recordings for some customers here and there. And then just some projects with friends that the main goal of these was not really to 
to go anywhere or be popular or anything like that. It was mostly for the sake of just learning how to do it better experimenting, experimenting yeah. with different sounds and things like that. And just having, having some fun along the way. So, um, had a friend, uh, named Phil Haymaker. He, uh, is slash was a singer songwriter here in the Chattanooga area. He's had some, some health issues like with his voice that have kind of prevented him from, uh, continuing down that path. But Phil is a, a talented songwriter, uh, who writes like folky country, kind of like folk slash country, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Kind of in that that realm, like acoustic based stuff. My music has always been, um, uh, prior to recent years, more of like a piano rock, piano pop kind of sound. So you take those two different sounds and you put them together, and we were just basically like having fun doing some studio stuff, just playing around, and we started writing this stuff that was like dance pop electronic like i don't even know what what genre you would put it into but it was nothing like i'd ever done before and nothing like he had ever done before and i think for us it was just like this weird creative outlet that was like we can just like my name's not really on it his name's not really on it we're just having fun with it yeah so let's just like there's no rules like i can say what i want to say in the lyrics i can do what i want to do in the music and it doesn't have to I mean, it wouldn't have to anyway, I guess, but it doesn't have to conform to his style and sound. It doesn't have to conform to my style and my sound. It's just like, there are no rules. We're like, we've basically formed this fake band and we're doing what we want to with it. And did you have like a fake name? We had a fake name um, (laughs) or a band name. Yeah. And it, it came, we, so we used to get together like one day a week and we'd go play around a disc golf and then we'd come uh, into the studio and just do some work. And we were terrible and i'm when i say terrible like really terrible at disc golf um i love disc golf is one of my top hobbies and i'm still kind of terrible but not this bad he's not terrible everybody i'm just (laughs) Um, sometimes him trying to be Um, humble (laughs) anyway we would frequently lose discs and some courses have a lost and found for your discs um and we came up with this phrase that we would lose discs but we would not ever find them so we decided to make the band name lost not found okay which that's Kind of I don't cool. know. It's whatever. I, I've secretly worked the lyrics lost, not found into like three or four other songs that I've written <laughs> since this time, because I just, there's something about like, you think lost and found, you don't think lost, not found. Yeah. Um, so there's just something about that little phrase that I don't really know what it means to me, but it means something. <laughs> um, so we, we ran with that and we did, we ended up doing a five song EP and like, we didn't really set out with that as a goal, but it just kind of came together. We'd finish a song, we'd move on to the next one and we were just having fun with it. And before we knew it, we had five songs and we're like, well, we might as well release them. Like they're pretty good. So, um, and I said, I think I said a minute ago that like this, this band quote unquote, I just did air quotes. You can't see those. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was whatever we want. So we made the, the title, of the EP, whatever we want, because we couldn't think of a better name for it. And it was just like, you know what? There are no rules. We're just going to do this. So we released it. And I think that is out there somewhere. If you want to laugh, um, because I don't know, some of it is pretty decent. And some of it is just like, why did we do that? So uh, roughly what year did this come out? Maybe 2016. Okay. Around there, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it it's it is what it is. If you feel it, <laughs> if you want me to feel embarrassed, go find that and listen to it. And 
Yeah. I just remember the first time Brent was telling me about this and I just, just what I knew of Brent. I'm like, I can't picture Brent doing like an electro pop kind of album for himself. You know, I know as far as the studio goes, you worked on a lot, a lot of different things, a wide range of, of music. So I get that, but I like for himself, like (laughs) this is wild. Farthest thing I would have ever guessed that you would have worked on personally, but I love, I, I love that it was like, you were just experimenting like creative experiment is what it was. Uh, and that you were not afraid to put that out there. Yeah. And honestly, some of the most, uh, fun projects that I've done in a studio have been things that are like experimental. And I don't mean like there's a genre technically called Mm -hmm. experimental. I don't mean that. I mean, things that are like outside of the basic, like, you know, most of the things that come your way are country pop rock, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, so when like somebody comes along and it's like a heavy metal artist, like mm-hmm. that is outside of the realm of things that I've really worked on a lot. So for me, it's experimental to figure out like, how do I take what I know? How do I take like the knowledge of being a pop music producer mm-hmm. and make it work in the context of a heavy metal song? That's like an experiment to figure out how to get it done. Or how do I take like somebody comes to me with a folk song and they're like, I want a hammered dulcimer. And I'm just like, nobody (laughs) nobody knows how to do that a hundred percent like oh wait i have a friend that owns one are you kidding me like what are the chances of that so hey can i borrow it and you know so an experiment basically to figure out like can i take this weird instrument that no one in the world knows how to play yeah there's like four people in the whole world really um (laughs) and i set that up in my studio and i'm just like can i learn how to play this for a song and like it's it's an experiment and it you know a lot of times i i'm I'm stubborn, so I'll stick with it until I get it. And that kind of stuff is like, that's the most fun to work on. Like people bring me country songs all the time and it's like, okay, it's just another country song. But when you bring me a song that like you want to have almost no instruments and you want it to be like all crazy vocal layers and, you know, crazy stuff like that, like that's fun to me because it's different and it's unique or like yeah um like using a vocoder like for the first time it's just like okay this is this is an adventure <laughs> yeah so yeah that's, that's a lot of fun to do things like that so yeah yeah uh, so before we get into like some of the design questions and stuff like that uh if if there are like young artists or people who are getting started and stuff like that what's some advice that you can give to songwriters people that are thinking about stepping into either a recording their own stuff or working with a studio or something like that what's some advice that you would give them yeah um very good question again josh is bringing all the good questions today (laughs) um so advice as a songwriter i don't have any because i don't feel like i've even remotely figured that out so I can't give you and just like <laughs> practice and yeah. write 300 songs and maybe one of them will be good. Like that's the best I have for you there. Um, but for, for artists trying to like get out there and, uh, and just like be able to release quality music, the, this is, I mean, I'm a little biased in saying this, but like yeah. the best thing that you can do is get with a really good producer. Um, because like anybody can go to guitar center and buy a hundred dollar audio interface and a cheap guitar. Josh just raised his hand. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to throw him under the bus there. He's like, yeah, I can do that. I got a hundred dollars a gear from guitar center. Let's record an album. Um, and, and that's, I mean, the fact that he just raised his hand there is like, is literally what I'm saying. Like anybody thinks that they can go to the store and get the stuff that like this blog that you found, 
on sweetwater.com is like, you need this and this and this, and you can record your music. And it's like, they're not wrong. Yeah, you can record it. But the difference between like recording it in your bedroom where the acoustics aren't great and you don't know how to use a high pass filter or a compressor or like all these little tools that go into like quality professional production. If you don't know how to use that stuff, then you're just going to end up with a recording that's super muddy and just as kind of like I said this before, but like, eh, that's like that's what you're going to think about your own recording. You're like, okay, I did something cool because I didn't know how to do this before, right. but what I thought it was going to be is great. And what I ended up with is eh, yeah. because you don't know what you're doing. Uh, yeah. But a music producer has spent years and years and years. And, and honestly, like I'll throw myself under the bus here. That's what I did for many, many, many years was like, I can do this myself with, you know, low quality, very, very, very budget friendly equipment. <laughs> Cause I was cheap. Um, but like the, you might, you might show up like at at a studio like mine. That's just like, okay, this is in some dude's house. What's, how is this more special than me setting up with my own gear in my bedroom? Well, it might be in my house, but like the room is treated for proper acoustics and you, you have probably, I said a hundred dollars, but you probably have spent five or $600 investing in gear Mm -hmm. at guitar center. And I've invested twenty thousand dollars in not just gear that you see when you you know it's got the normal studio stuff you walk in and there's guitars on the wall Mm -hmm. and stuff like that that makes it look like a studio but what you don't see is that i have just literally thousands of dollars worth of software just kind of sitting in my computer that make all the difference in the world like you know you you can run any audio program and it has an eq like plugin built into it but that does not work the same as the three hundred dollar eq that a producer is using it's like it's so different like night and day in the quality that you can get from reverb and compression and all these different tools uh and and things you like everybody knows about eq and compression and reverb but you don't know about transient shapers and stereo imagers and like and then the whole world of like multi-band compression like all these things which (laughs) i'm saying these things to to point out that like you if you go record it on your own you're not gonna get a good quality product out of it because you just don't know what you're doing yeah so yeah. uh and producers don't have to be expensive like you think like well okay so i need to go to need to move to nashville and work with a guy that charges ten thousand dollars a song that's not true at all like you can probably get a really excellent quality product but you can also find somebody at a local studio that probably charges 300 400 500 a song and just build a good relationship with them where you trust them with your music and they trust you Mm -hmm. so you get this like balance back and forth that like you you don't necessarily even have to communicate what you're looking for out of the song they just kind of get you after you've done one or two songs together yeah so rather than spend you know 10 years of your life trying to jump start uh you know quality music from your bedroom studio like just invest a little bit of money into working with someone that really knows what they're doing and it's going to make all the difference in the world you'd be better off releasing five excellent quality songs than five terrible quality albums. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, quality over quantity. So, and I'll, I'll attest to the, you can record stuff yourself, but actually working with someone. So the intro for the podcast, I, 
I know that I can only get to a certain level with my recording, but I felt pretty good about what I had. And I said, Hey Brent, can you just help me like polish this? And it was amazing just watching him work. I think it was maybe not even an hour's worth of time. Probably. And you were just click, 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 click. And like the night and day difference between what I had presented to you and what we ended up with after the fact, I'm just like, like it blew <laughs> my mind. So yeah. And that, that's like, I mean, that fits perfectly into this conversation. Like you, you worked on it yourself with the gear that you have. And it's like, your gear is, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. And you, you know what you're doing enough to get a decent quality uh, product. And you're like, I'm pretty proud of this. I think it sounds pretty good. And you send it to me and you're like, be honest. And I'm like, you want me to be honest? Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Why don't you give this to me and let me replace the drums that you did with better quality. Yep. And let's take, the bass that you did and replace it with better quality. And then let me take, I don't need to re-record your guitars, but let me just spruce them up a little bit and uh, just, you know, put a little polish on some of the, like the editing and things like that. So that it lines up and it gets more crisp. And it's just like, you're looking at it. Like, I didn't know that it even needed that. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you bring in a producer for something like that. So, and I felt like when we worked on that that night, I felt like I should have had like a shirt on that says we'll work for food because like the agreement there was like, Josh is going to buy me dinner and I'm going to make his podcast sound good. So (laughs) good times. Uh, I like friends that'll work for food because that's, uh, I'll come work on your house. I'll do any manual labor that you want. Just give me some food. I'm I'm down with that. So I love, I love people that'll do the same. Uh, So one final question. We talked a little bit about backbeat kind of being on a back on the back burner right now. Is there any chance in the future? Have you had thoughts about whether uh, whether you may open that up to bring in new projects and stuff like that? Or what's the horizon look like there? That's a hard question. Um, And you're just one of 20 or so different people that are asking that question (laughs) right now, which makes me feel very loved. Um, So I appreciate that, that people are just like, when can I come record something? But for me, it is that's a very, very loaded question. So, um, and I don't mind answering at all. Just be honest that like I poured tons and tons of time and effort into building the studio from the ground up starting in 2015. I say with a question mark, I don't even know. It was either 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, but basically like worked full time, give or take in, in the studio for seven years. Um, And when I say full time, I mean, like some weeks that was 20 or 30 hours because I was short on projects and didn't have enough customers. And other weeks that no exaggeration meant 70 or 80 hours to try and get stuff done um, because I just had too many projects piling up and things like that. And I think when I started the studio, everything was like, this is like, I'm, I'm done wanting to be a rock star. Like, that's just not for me. I want to still work in music, but I can work so much better pouring into like quality production for other people. Um, and then when I have an opportunity, I can work on my own stuff here and there as well. Yeah. Um, but that, that was like my main goal at that point was like to do quality music production. I didn't really have any other like thing I was seeking in life, I guess. And along the way to make a long story short, ended up at a church that we really love and had no intention of like really getting involved there. But like you fast forward, six years and I'm the operations director. So that worked really well. Let's not get involved. Oh, and, and it wasn't like an, an overnight thing. It it literally, like it took place over many years. It was a lot Um, of faithful years of Brent. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess like the priorities in my life shifted from wanting to just make music uh, where like my, like this was like my primary source of income. This is like what I'm putting all of my time and effort into is this business to now like really somewhere in there, I felt the shift where um, working in ministry moved ahead of working in music production. So, and when that happened, it got a lot harder to pour 40, 50, 60 hours a week into the studio. It honestly became hard to even pour 20 or 30 in the studio because I went from pouring zero to five to 10 to 30 to 40 into the church. Um, so, and for a season there, I very much like, I not exaggerating. I don't feel like at all to say like, I legitimately worked two full-time jobs. Yep. (laughs) Um, but, Along with that, like, we don't really need to talk about finances too much, but like, I was not making the money of working two full time jobs at all. I was making maybe one total full time salary between the two jobs together. Because if anybody listening to this works in ministry, you get the like, it's not, you're not getting rich quick by. by running the operations of a church by any means. And you're also not getting rich quick by being a music producer, unless you get super lucky and one of your artists like goes big time and you get royalty checks. Like, um, you know, my royalty checks, if they even exist at all, are like two cents every six months and (laughs) stuff like that. So working two full-time jobs, but not really having the money to match that, that was tricky uh, and a little stressful because I just felt like I didn't have enough time in my life to do the things that I wanted to was spending time with friends and even spending time like with my wife. And then we had a kid. So that changes yep. everything. Yep. <laughs> um, and for the first few months of that, I was trying to finish up like two of the biggest, like best quality projects that I've, that I've done in the studio um, towards the end of like 2022. Our daughter Ruby was born uh, in May of 2022. So for like those six months finishing out 2022 it was like full-time job, full-time job, Oh, full-time dad too. Yep. Uh, and it was yep. just like, there are like, it's a cliche to say it, but like there are not enough hours in the day to do all three of these things. No. Uh, if I keep doing all three of them, I'm going to do all three of them poorly. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense because that's really not fair to Ruby to be, uh, you know, not a quality father, but like, a I only have one hour a day that I can spend with you. Like, that's not fair. Uh, It's also not fair to the whole church congregation that I'm a part of, that I'm not doing the best that I can for that organization. Uh, And not fair to my customers in the studio either to be like, well, I told you I could deliver this in August, but instead it's going to be like May of next year. How's that sound? Is that okay? Can we push it back by 10 months? Is that, you know, it doesn't, none of the, like, you know, yeah. um, if you if you don't pour the proper amount of time into your family, like before you know it, the the baby is 16 years old and you haven't spent enough time. And that's like that's, yeah. that doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, after spending a lot of time thinking about it and praying about it, like the studio was the one place that I felt like I could give a little. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because as much as I had poured a lot of time and effort into building that up, it was like I've accomplished a lot of what I really wanted to didn't accomplish some of the goals and went far and above beyond uh, above and beyond some of the goals as well. So now feels like a good time to just kind of hit the pause button on that for a season with the intention of probably going back to it at some point. But I don't think ever to the extent of like full time where that's like two full time jobs again. Like, I don't think I really want to go in that direction, but when you're a creative person, 
and when you have the you know the thousands of dollars invested in the gear like you can't just like close up shop and be like well i'm never gonna record a song ever again i'm done forever Um, so you know oh that's a very long answer to your question of like am i gonna go back to it i don't know um (laughs) this week i've actually been like working on a project that's like that i'm getting paid for but it's more or less like i'm working on it as a hobby um as more of like a a fun creative opportunity than an actual like this is something like the money that i'm getting for this project is not like i'm not paying the bills with it it's just kind of like a i'm doing it so the guy's paying me which is great um and then i have you know one one customer that was in the middle of a project when i closed the studio down at the start of 2023 that now we are in october that project is still not finished but we're doing like one song every couple of months. So this is like, I didn't want to just shut that down and be like, I can't finish this project that we started. Right. So, right. and I'm doing some recordings here and there, like for the church band and stuff like that. So to me, it's more of like, I don't ever want it to be a thing that I have to rely on for income again. Yeah. But I still love doing it. I just don't want to be stressed about doing it. So as long as I can work on projects that don't have deadlines yeah, uh, and they're for people that like one of the, most frustrating things about being a music producer is working with people who are terrible. Like I'll just put it really plainly. Like there are a lot of people that are just like, I want to be a rock star, but they just have no talent whatsoever. So like you're spending just hours and hours trying to make them sound somewhat decent. Like there's, it's not fun to work with people like that. Um, like you can, you can look at it yourself when the project's done and be like, this person is terrible and I made them sound pretty decent. Good job me. (laughs) But it's like, there's no point in spending like spending the time and effort because they're not actually happy with it. Even though you right. worked complete magic on them, they're still like, why don't I sound like Taylor Swift? Well, it's because you're terrible. <laughs> like you're never going to sound like Taylor Swift because you can't sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being able to, to approach the studio in a way where it's just like the best, like my favorite customers that I've worked with, the favorite artists and like the best relationships that I've developed over the past few years, I can be like, Hey man, you want to record an album? Like, let's work on this over the course of like the next year or two right? on like a right. slow chill timeline or better yet. Like let's do a couple songs at a time or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I can kind of pick and choose. Like I want to work with you when people send me emails that are just like, Hey, I'm looking for a studio. I'm like, well, you're not going to find one here, you know? <laughs> so it's just, it's a little bit different approach that like I can pick and choose. And like, I want to work on this project. I don't want to work on this one. Some of the most stressful people that I've worked with, I can just be like, I can refer you to these other studios, yeah. but I don't have yeah. time in my schedule for that. So, um, so that's, that's the super, super long answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. And I love that it's going to be, it, it can become your creative outlet again. Instead yeah. of like, I have to do this. I have to pay bills. Now you get to go and you get to have fun. You get to be creative Yeah, and you can pick those projects. Like I know that I can do something cool here or I can experiment and stuff like that. So that's, that's yeah. really cool. And it was kind of a loaded question because I kind of already knew the answer. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but we know that this is a podcast about design and album covers. So we always like to talk about that as well. Uh, these are the questions that I sent Brent. So <laughs> finally, <laughs> maybe he'll feel a little bit more prepared. Uh, <laughs> so Brent, uh, in your experience as a as an artist and then also on the back end as like the producer and stuff like that, how important is the branding, the visuals and stuff like that for artists, especially in today's music world? Yeah, 
going back to my my answer for up and coming artists, like the first thing that you should do is go find a music producer. Um, well, maybe the first thing you should do is write a quality song, I guess. Yeah, like, focus on that first. Find, find a find a a good music producer. Uh, have quality like content to begin with for your song but then the next thing that you should do is really focus on your branding it's like it's like super cliche phrase to say like don't judge a book by its cover but like everyone does it yeah so yeah um you know i think it was a podcast yeah something like that sounds like a great name for a podcast yeah um so you think that people are going to judge your music by the quality of the music or the recording but and, and, you know, you're always going to get people that will listen to your music because it was a referral from a friend or like right. a person that you went to high school with. It's just like, yeah, I'll listen to your music because I know you and, you know, you yeah. get things like that. Yeah. Um, but when people are like seeking out brand new music, they're going to see your album cover before they even listen to five seconds of the song. And like if they see an album cover, this is like this looks like somebody made it in like Microsoft Paint. <laughs> like. At least, like, uh, I mean, I don't think I'm the only one that's going to be like, I can't take this seriously. Or maybe I am going to listen to it because it's so bad that yep, I want to know, yep. like, does the audio match how bad the cover is? But, like... That's a very fine line. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if it's if it's a little bit better than Microsoft Paint, then I'm going to be like, this is bad, I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. But if there's something about that cover that, like, really catches my attention, then I'm going to be a lot more inclined to give a minute or three minutes of my life to listening to this and checking it out because I judged it by the cover. Like I saw it and I'm just like, I kind of want to know what this is about Yeah. as opposed to being like, there's nothing about this that catches my attention. I'll move on before I, before I even give it five seconds before I even press the play button. So, so I think branding is like, is really important that like people just don't really think about that, but it's, I mean, it's not just in music. It's in all things, businesses that have bad branding, Mm -hmm. Uh, just tend to struggle like it's just a reality like it doesn't matter how well you're doing things on the inside if the outside doesn't look good then you're gonna miss out on opportunities yeah yeah 100 percent. and i love (laughs) this is uh, i think the second interview that we've uh we've kind of trashed on microsoft paint (laughs) that's great (laughs) i didn't know that so (laughs) uh it's just funny because that reference uh there was one um I think it's a record label, but they, they were looking for, I don't remember if it was an intern or if they were actually looking, looking to hire a graphic designer, but the, their, the way they were doing it is they were doing ads that were created in Microsoft paint, like graphic designer. Oh yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. So like instances like that, I totally, I'm like, yes, that's, that's done in jest and really funny. And like that caught my attention, but but yeah, no, I agree with, you know, especially TikTok. I, I, I like to blame TikTok a lot, but it's, it's all social media. Like our attention spans are so mm-hmm. short and there's just so much media. And because there's lots of avenues for people to be able to put out content and stuff like that, they're like, we've got like a split second to capture somebody's attention. Yeah. And if it's something where it's just like, I don't find that interesting or it's just, it's easy to swipe by. Right. You, you're going to get missed. Now, my my most recent episode uh we were talking i talked about a, a a terrible album cover uh and it's just like that didn't stop how great the music was so if the music is great it is going to get people's attention but don't let that be the thing that stops people from actually right. listening it's going to be a lot harder to get people's attention if you don't have something good to put on the on the cover yeah so. yeah yeah there's also something to be said for brand recognition too like mm-hmm. i've always been a really big fan of like bands that have a logo or artists that have a logo 
or if not a logo, even just like using uh, the same, like everything else about your cover might change from one album to the next, but like the font that your name is written in yeah. is the same. So that to me, like that catches my attention. Like, okay, this is like a new chapter of the same thing instead of like, it's a completely different, like, like I have to learn who this artist is all over again. Yeah. It's like, there's something that ties it back. So there's, I don't know, there's something to, that stands out to me about that. Yeah. And what's cool is there's just so many different ways, you know, whether it's a logo or like you said, a certain font or stuff, or maybe even like how like your, your photography and stuff like that is presented. Yep. Um, there are, there's lots of different ways where you don't have to just follow a formula. There's really not a formula that works. It's just like it, you, you almost have to like commit to like, this is who I am. Yes. And, and kind of keep that going. Now, uh, well, we won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, anyway, so as far as music that you have released, is there an album cover or, you know, for singles, stuff like that, that you have had that that stands out like this is my favorite or this one means the most to me? Yeah. So I struggled with this because um, I actually had time to prepare for this. And I was just like <laughs> pulling up all the old things that I've worked on. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> Oh, that, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? And most of like, I've released a lot of different singles. So in addition to having like a few albums over the years, there's like extra covers thrown in there for singles. And I'm just like, I'm looking at, I don't know, 20 different things. And I'm like, I I have to pick one of these as a favorite. (laughs) And you know, I, I would like to think that I'm like, it's hard to narrow this down. But instead, it was just like, there's only two that I actually like, and the rest of them are trash. So, <laughs> so I'll talk about one, uh, one that, that just kind of means a lot to me, I guess. So yeah. I did a song that I think was in 2016, I released it, called Dead End Love. And the song is kind of hilarious because it's like this witty, upbeat, bouncy piano kind of sound. Um, and the entire song is about breaking up with someone. So mm. it's like it, the, it's like an upbeat breakup song. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, it's just like, that makes me think of like, I did a, a project for a guy recently that has a, an upbeat song about human, human trafficking. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. do those go together? But they can, if you do it, if you do it very carefully, I guess. Yes. yes so very this intentionally. is, yeah, this is funny. This song, um, the story behind the song is actually like, it was just ideas that popped into my head about like, this is dangerous. I got, I got a friend that writes songs about like a breakup that happened like 20 years ago. And I'm just like, are you going to move on at some point? Like, I don't know if that's healthy to still be writing about that. But this was a lot of years after a breakup that was from this girl that I dated in high school. And it was pretty serious. And like in our stupidity of like young love, we thought we were getting married when we were 16, but that was not meant to be in our lives are in very, very different places now. So it's good that we didn't, um, but I struggled to, there were a lot of unhealthy things about that relationship that I just, I guess needed years later, just a place to process and, and more or less vent about a few things. Yeah. And I just ended up putting it into, uh, this kind of silly breakup song, I guess. Um, and I struggled <laughs> to finish it. So I took it to, I, I'm co-writing songs is super hard for me but I took it to my brother-in-law and we've never co-written anything together before, but I was just like, I feel like he can probably help me with this. And he had more or less like a similar situation where he had this person that he dated for a couple of years that was really serious. And I think they were actually, I want to say they were engaged even. And it it ended not well. And he's married to someone else now and it's all for the best. 
Um, so we were able to kind of like finish this song up from similar experiences of like unhealthy relationships that were pretty serious, uh, that ended up just ending badly. But for me, the song is funny in in that regard, but the cover was, uh, maybe the first cover I had done that I was just like, this feels like me. Everything else before that, I think I was trying to be like someone else. Like, um, this is this is a cool picture, so I'm going to use it. Or this is like, I think, I think this is trendy, so I'm going to go with it. And it never was. It was always just poorly executed by someone who I, I might have been making it in Microsoft Paint. I don't know. Um, or probably some like really, really outdated version of like, I don't know, some off-brand graphic design software or yeah, something. But this yeah. is the first one that I did that felt like I was um, kind of closing a previous chapter of what my music was. And like, this is my like reboot more or less. And like, this is my new brand. So I picked like, this is what I want myself to look like for the next few years. And just kind of created this, this look, I guess. And it was the first time I'd ever done that where I was just like, this is an intentional choice instead of just like, Oh, that font works. This yeah. is like, this is the font that's going to define what I look like for the next few years. And it's honestly, the cover is just a stock photo turned black and white. It's just a piano sitting in a field and it's really simple. And then it just has my name and the name of the song in like this deep red color, which if you, anybody that's been in my studio, I might have a problem with red It's <laughs> everywhere. Um, I, I like red. Yeah. So the color was perfect for me to off to, to stand against this. Like it might've been like a sepia tone, like piano thing just, and it just, to me, it was like the sound of this song being like very like hard hitting piano, but like the, just the contrast of the song being like about a deep, heavy thing, but it sounds upbeat and happy. Like having this like kind of beat up piano, just sitting out in the field is just like, it's a little confusing, which to me matched the content of the song was just like, this doesn't, this is weird, but I kind of <laughs> like it. So yeah. to it, that was just important to me. I meant to spend like, 20 seconds talking about this and i think i've been talking about it for two minutes but <laughs> anyway that was that one stood out to me as a cover that i really liked that's yeah. that's one i actually did myself before i met josh and was just like please do all my artwork now um then the other one is uh the most recent song i've released and somehow this is already like two years ago i think that's crazy i don't know how the time has flown like that but it has um it's a song called i never knew and this song is like I've written a lot of songs over the years. Uh, and this is probably the, I, don't, I hesitate to say, but probably the only one out of hundreds that is like, it is real. There is nothing fake in it. It is just like purely authentic. And it comes from like a, a place of really deep hurt and trauma and stuff like that. That's just like, it's, you know, things that are not easy to talk about for a lot of people. Um, you know, most people just write, write songs about life experience, but this was like different for me. This was yeah. like real heavy, hard life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was like maybe one of the first times that I set out to write a song because I needed to, instead of because I wanted to. Mm. So that's kind of like, I don't know, that sounded a little cryptic, but it was like the only, like it was part of this like recovery process for me to get through the healing of this trauma to, yeah. To actually like this was really like the final chapter of that process was writing this song yeah and just being obedient in that and, and recording it and putting it out there for people to hear 
um, with the intention of like, I don't, I'm not looking for people to be like, Hey, good job on that song that like, this was maybe the first song I've ever done. That was just like, I just want this to be able to help people, um, with whatever the thing is that they've experienced, whether it's like sexual trauma or physical abuse or like whatever the case is, it's, you know, it's the, the heavy things that the people don't like to talk about. Like if it can help you move through that, then that was the goal of putting the song out there for the world was for people to hear it. And hopefully, uh, Hopefully have some hope. Not not a great hopefully have, hopefully some, have hope. some hope. Um there was probably a better way to say that, but yeah. I think you get like the the idea was just to give people something positive to think about while they're working through some of their problems and, and things like that. So and, um uh, one thing I want to say about the song, it was really cool because I got to be a part of that process. I mean, from the very beginning, which was really cool. Well, beginning of the songwriting uh, I wasn't around obviously for the what happened but it was really cool just to see that whole thing come about and what I love about the song is you you definitely talk about just like how how this thing made you feel but at the end of the song it's like all about victory yeah which is which is awesome there's kind of a, a declaration behind it uh it's just it's a great song. And that's not just because Brent's my friend uh, or that I got to work on this project. It, it is it is a really great song. And so if you haven't um, checked it out, you definitely do need to. And I'm going to let him talk about the cover here in a second. But it's I Never Knew by Brent Crow. That's Crow with an E. And you can find it basically everywhere. everywhere. Yep. Um, and yeah, what well, you said, like the end of it is about victory. That was the whole the whole point of recording it and getting it out there for people to hear. Um, because I think so many times when people deal with, you know, with the heavy things, you know, addictions and traumas and abuses and things like that, that like, uh, so many people just latch onto that and it defines them. Like, I like, hi, my name is Brent. I'm a survivor of this thing. And that becomes part of your identity for the rest of your life. Yeah. And to an extent that makes sense. Like it should be because the, the way that you overcome that and the way that you move on from that, uh, it does uh, play a role in defining who you are as a, as a person. But what I know, like when this thing happened, um, or when there's a long story behind it, but basically like when this popped into my head, that this was a a problem that had happened to me in my past, I like the last thing that I wanted was for that to be a thing where it's just like, this is part of like, this is what defines me as a person, because there are bigger things in my life that define me that are way the heck more important than this little thing that happened to me 20 years ago or yeah. whatever the case is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so the victory element was important for me in that process that it wasn't just like, I'm going to figure out how to cope with this or it was yeah. like, I'm going to figure out how to conquer this because it just like, I don't, like I said, I don't want that to be a defining element of who I am. I want the, the way that I overcame it to be part of what defines me, not the thing itself. Yeah. So, um, the song kind of walks through this, these phrases of like, I never knew that, that this thing could happen. And then, then it moves on to, and then I learned that there's more to it than just the trauma. Uh, And then after that, it, it goes to, and now I know instead of, I never knew, um, there's a lot of like, like, I don't know, symbolism in that, that it's just like, I, and I say I, but like, I mean, through this like in-depth process of working through things with friends and spending a lot of time in prayer and stuff like that, that I worked through it and now I know, and now I have victory over that thing. Um, So it's not just, I never knew that this thing could ruin my life. It's like, 
Now I know that it didn't ruin my life. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so cover, that's yes. why we're here. We're here to talk about the cover. Yes. <laughs> um, so Josh and I had already worked together on a, a couple things when this song was kind of in process. Uh, and there was like, for me, there was no question of like, um, I'm pouring like more energy than I even have into the creation of this song. Like it was the hardest, maybe one of the hardest things I've ever done was actually creating yeah. this song and yeah. uh, finishing it. And it took months to accomplish it. And a lot of that happened like during like pandemic and stuff like that. So it was just like everything in the world was chaos anyway. So, yeah. um, so for me, it was just like, I need someone else to look at this and put a really good quality cover on it. Uh, not just something that I'm going to throw together like on the back burner, like this is a whatever, like just, it needs a cover to release it. So I'm just going to do this thing right, um, right? because the song was so important to me. And I felt like going to be really important to a lot of other people. I wanted to make sure that what was the, you know, the visual representation of that was done really well also. So brought it to Josh and he had um, kind of a really outside the box, like super difficult to execute idea uh, based on a demo. I sent him the demo of the song when I had originally written it. That was all just like my voice in a piano. And he yeah. thought that it was going to be kind of that sort of sound. And then the way that I ended up producing, it was very different. Yep. And when I sent him the, the finished version, he's just like, well, what I had in mind doesn't really fit this anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. but I think he wanted to like find an old piano and like wheel it into his living room for a photo shoot or something like that. I don't even remember all of it, but <laughs> It was never going to work. <laughs> I almost forgot that part of the story. Yeah. And I remember I had the greatest, like, in my mind, this would have been so cool. This piano against this, like, dark green wall, and it was going to be great. Totally doesn't fit the song. So I'm glad. So we decided to to change it up. And I just remember, like, trying to to brainstorm ideas on it together and not really, like, coming up with a lot. And... uh he just like Josh just invited me and my wife over to have breakfast with him and his wife one day, like with the goal of like, let's just spend some time together, eat some bacon. I only remember, I'm sure we ate other things, but I just remember that the bacon was stellar that day. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, cause food the, is important. The important stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we just sat down and talked about the song and I feel I could be wrong. I feel like it was Genevieve's idea. Uh, the, the or idea. at least had a big role in developing the idea. Yeah, she um, came up with like the the main uh, the main idea. Yeah, and I feel like maybe I should actually let you talk about it. But the um, you can probably fill in the details. But the whole concept is is like a vase that's been destroyed and it's in a million pieces and you can never put it back together, right? But there's I don't know what what it is. Yeah, you probably know. Uh, and I'm probably gonna butcher the name of this, but there's actually. Um, it's it's a it's an artist technique called like kintasugi or kintasugi yeah this is why i don't know what what it is i probably should have uh, refreshed my memory on this but the idea is is that um even though something's broken they take it and they use gold to put it back together And, and the idea is that the item is now more valuable because it's been put together with gold and it's imperfect but it's beautiful and so just this idea that, you know, Brent, you know, this thing was kind of something that where it kind of broke Brent, but through forgiveness and working through the trauma and stuff like that, now he can be made whole again and it's more beautiful. And just, just this whole concept of broken being made beautiful yeah. again. But you think like when you, like when you drop a vase in your house, it's like, okay, well that either goes in the trash and it's done forever. Or I could maybe like super glue it back together. Right. But you'll always see the cracks you know yeah. so 
So it's just like, it's never like you can put it back together, but it's never quite the same. But then when you throw in the fact that it's put back together with gold, it just changes everything for me because it means that like, I didn't just put it back together and you can see that the cracks are there. It's like, okay, I want you to know that the cracks are there because the cracks are what really make all the difference in the world though those cracks are more valuable than they were before was broken uh so that that had so much symbolism to like the real life experience for me that it was just like okay this thing was really serious and it really put me in a bad place and it really like more or less shattered me like a vase would and i think early on like my goal was just like okay how am i just how am i gonna recover from this or how am i gonna survive this like can you super glue it back together and be okay but then like at some point in there, I was just like, no, that's not what this is about. This is about like coming out the other side with a testimony about like how I overcame this thing and how I can share this with other people to help them. So having the, like putting the gold touch on it, like that I can be more of a, of a help to other people because I went through this thing. Yeah. Um, I could not have, have written this song or helped people in the way that I've been able to through this. If it wasn't for the experience happening to begin with, I could not have, uh, shared or or been in that same headspace as other people without having it. You know, it's a bad thing that it happened, I guess, but but without it, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah, and it's this beautiful imagery. Uh, so the the shot, the cover is actually one side the vase is broken, and on the the right hand side you see the vase full or full with the like the gold putting yeah. it back together. Uh, so it's just kind of this this beautiful imagery of even just like what the song kind of goes through of like yeah. the broken to now now I know. So yeah. bonus points for picking one that that we got to work on together. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's still that's still one of my favorite projects because the the thing that started this whole wanting to do album covers was um, a video and it's actually the teaser episode for this podcast and i saw this behind the scenes video of how they put this cover together like all the work that went in on the behind scenes that you would have never known uh without kind of seeing this video and it's like i want to do that hands-on i want to do something cool and i'm glad that you basically gave me um, creative freedom to like do what you want and the fact that you loved it also helps but. yeah it turned out really good <laughs> yeah. and i i have like a for my birthday a couple of years ago josh actually took that cover and had it made uh, on vinyl so i have like a vinyl size version of that displayed in my studio and it's always a very interesting like conversation starter for people uh and people are just like that's a really cool cover like gotten lots of compliments about how it was done people that maybe haven't even heard the song they're just like it looks great yeah. i want to check it out so there you go yeah. back to the like how branding in your cover is important. Yeah. Um, people that, you know, people don't, customers don't come into the studio having listened to music that I've released, but they see it and they're just like, Hey, I want to check that out now because it looks really interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I love that there's a one of one of that. That's yeah, really cool. absolutely. <laughs> I guess my last question um, in the design realm is what is an album cover that you would call either like your favorite album cover of all time or something that has just a lot of meaning to it? Yeah. That's uh, this is one of the questions that Josh sent me. And I was just like that. I can answer the first two. No problem. But this one's hard. (laughs) And uh, I was thinking about it and I'm like, why? Like, why is it so hard? Because I've listened to a ton of music over the years and I'm like, nothing is popping out in my head as just like that. That's the cover like that. I love that cover. Yeah. And it kind of occurred to me that like the era that I grew up in, like we we got CDs 
and we immediately took the CD like out of the case and we put it in our big zipper thing that holds 120 <laughs> whatever. And like you, you swap your CDs in and out in your car, but, and you see the CD face, but you never look at the cover again after the first time that yeah. you open it up. So I'm like, I don't really know even what the cover looks like to most of the albums that are like the most influential to me. So like, that's so different today because everybody's like running Apple CarPlay and it's like every song that comes up, you see what the cover looks like. Yeah. And I can tell you what a bunch of covers from like today's music look like. Um, but it felt weird to, to be like, yeah, I'm going to say like, I love this album cover from this song that came out last week. <laughs> like to me, like music is so important yeah. That I can't just like say that about a song that I've only listened to five times or something like that. Like right. I have to pick an album cover. Maybe if it's not even the best cover, I have to answer this with a, <laughs> with an album that's important to me. So, so I'm answering the question of what's a really important album to you yeah. that has a pretty decent cover okay. instead of what's your favorite okay. cover. So what I'm going with for this is self-titled album by a band called the Swift, the Swift. Okay. and super extra bonus points to anybody who's heard of them because you probably haven't. And if you listen to Christian radio in the like early two thousands, then maybe you've heard one or two of their songs, uh, hit the, the airwaves over the years, but that's the one Josh just looked it up. Okay. Um, so it's, it's super simple, but to me, there's like a whole story behind like this album. And so I discovered the Swift by going to a concert that was in the middle of freaking nowhere in Iowa. Like my mom and I used to go to a bunch of different concerts and stuff of Christian artists. And I had a lot of fun doing that over the years with her and uh, saw a lot of really cool artists, like some of them before they were big and some of them after they were superstars and all this stuff. But this, we drove like five hours to this place. Like it was (laughs) like at a college that, basically was surrounded by a cornfield there was nothing there and uh this show was so crazy it was the swift opening for cutlass who was a a major heavy hitter in the christian rock yeah uh, yeah scene for a long time but then cutlass opening for mercy me so okay. I'm, i say opening like this was the order that they played in and that's generally like the biggest artist goes last yeah so the swift who's a nobody Cutlass, who was basically like a nobody at this point, Mercy Me, who had just had I Can Only Imagine uh, hit the, you know, wow. hit the world. Yeah. And then Audio Adrenaline was the headliner. Okay. Wow. So, you know, like if you're a, a geek of the Christian music industry and the story of bands over the years and stuff like that, like that's hilarious that there was ever a time that Cutlass or Mercy Me were smaller than Audio okay. Adrenaline. Yeah. But Audio Adrenaline was like big time. This is like probably 2001, like when I Can Only Imagine came out. Yeah. Like yeah. I Can Only Imagine has played in the biggest venues in the world now. You, you know. can probably argue that it's probably one of the most known Christian songs. Probably. Yeah. I mean, maybe one of the most known songs. Yeah. Period. Not just Christian songs. Yeah. So like Mercy Me never opened for anybody again after that tour. They were the headliner of everything forever. Yeah. And and probably still are. I don't know. They're not as big anymore, but like Audio Adrenaline has like closed up shop and reopened six times, it feels like. <laughs> um since then. And Cutlass went like that was early days of Cutlass. They went on to be huge, uh, big influences in the Christian rock scene. But the Swift was there opening up, just playing like I think they got like probably twenty minutes to play before all these other like heavy hitters. And I just fell in love with their music instantly. I'd never heard of them 
before. And they were just this super, like, really piano-driven, just simple Christian rock band. The, like, uh, some weird things that you don't see in a lot of bands. Like, they split time between two lead vocalists. Like, sometimes oh. even within a song. Like, one guy would sing a verse, and the other guy would sing a chorus. And it was just, like, really good bass grooves. Just really simple, quality drums. Nice little guitar licks filling it in, but really just heavily driven by these pounding piano chords. Like this guy that played the piano would even do these like piano filler things like between, yeah. you know, two segments of a song where he would just like bash the piano with his elbow four times. Like, <laughs> duh, 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 duh. like and I'm just like, was there any, did you hit actual notes or was it just like wherever your elbow lands? Like, I don't know, but it was just so catchy. And they had songs like one of their silliest songs is called Moshing Machine. It's literally about a mosh pit. At, okay. a, at a at a concert like but then they also had like some pretty like some bigger songs that were less silly that were pretty popular and and i say pretty popular like you know on christian radio for a season and stuff right but, right so literally like as soon as they finished their set i went out to their merch table because they were like we'll be back there signing autographs and i'm like i gotta meet these guys they're yeah. my new favorite band ever <laughs> and uh, i go out there and i buy this album just the swift self-titled and uh, I like, you know, everybody's been through the experience of opening a jewel case. Like it's the work, <laughs> like you get the shrink wrap off. It takes you 45 minutes to do that. Yeah. And just when you think you've accomplished something, then there's that little sticky tab that goes across the top, the top. that holds yes. it all together. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to die before I get this open. And uh, so I'm like struggling with this. I get the shrink wrap, shrink wrap off and I'm trying to get a hold of the edge to get the thing off. And the lead singer of the Swift, he's a guy named Britt Edwards. He just grabs it from me and he uh, gets his fingernail under the edge and pops the, the side that like folds out that like a booklet, yeah. just pops that out of the hinge and pulls it off so that the sticker is exposed and just pulls the two sides apart. And he's like, you'll never open a CD the same way again. And I'm like, oh, oh you're a genius. <laughs> Uh, so that's the day that I learned how to open a CD properly. Wow. Um, wow. So super memorable for me because that's not important at all. Yeah. Right. But then I hung out with them for a while and just talked about, you know, music, piano yeah. and music. I mean, yeah. I think I was probably 13 or 14 at this time. Wow. Um, and they all signed it and I can show you right where this CD is in my house, like right now with their autographs on it. And I traveled all over the Midwest to see these guys play in Illinois and different places in Iowa and uh, Minnesota and stuff like that. Like if it was less than seven hours away, I was going to go. And I was always like, they, they knew me at some point there. Like they remembered who I was when I'd show up. Yeah. Um, some really good times, like listening to their music. And honestly, as a, as an artist, a lot of my style of piano play is really, really heavily influenced by, by these, by their music. So, and for, for a long time, it was basically like my mindset was if it's not, if it doesn't have like a heavy hitting driving piano in it, it's worthless music, <laughs> which is definitely not true. Right. But like anything that I wrote was all based around like these big, powerful piano chords and stuff like that. So like um, that's really like I spent countless hours just playing the CD at home with me sitting at the piano, learning how he did certain things. Yeah. And I, like I learned so much about writing music and playing music and specifically playing piano music from, from this group. So, um, to me, the cover is just like, I, I probably won't get the details all right because I wasn't there when they recorded it. But my understanding is that, 
uh, like 90% of that album was recorded live. Not okay. not live on a stage, but like live in a studio where they're mm-hmm. all in the same room and they just play through the songs. Yeah. Um, instead yeah. of like well, how most recording is done today where you do one instrument at a time yep. and you layer it together and make yeah. sure that they're all perfect. This has like the bleed through effect where it's just like the drums are picking up on the vocal mics and stuff like that. Yep. So you can't fix things because if you fix it on one channel, it messes with what's in the other. Just yeah. this is music production geeky stuff but like <laughs> it is so hard to accomplish that well and any band that comes into the studio and they're like we want to record live i'm like no you don't <laughs> trust me unless you yeah. are really really good you don't want to do you that. gotta be pretty tight right yeah, like yeah. super tight yeah. um and then they took like those recordings and then they added in a few like you know an extra percussion layer or maybe a a layered electric guitar or something like that and a couple extra harmonies and things like that but like little subtle things that just rounded it out. But like the core of everything was just, it was there and it was done live. And I'd like to think they just played through it in one take. I'm sure they probably did 50 uh, takes of everything. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> um, so the, the photo that is on this cover is just a shot of them in the studio where they recorded it. And Josh is looking at it right now. And you yeah. can see when you zoom in that like this room is like 15 by 15. Yeah. And I think like when I think of a four piece band recording a live album, I'm thinking of a room that's like a hundred feet by a hundred feet and they're all in a different corner. Right. Like right. they have eye contact with each other, but the microphones are so far apart that they won't bleed. And like these guys are like when one guy sweats, it falls on another guy. <laughs> like you yeah. have to know yeah. that. And this is like, I mean, they, they had to have just been that room had to smell. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they were probably in there for 10 hours just playing these songs over and over again. And they are like on top of each other. Yeah. And that's just like, as far as I know, it's just like a shot, a candid shot of them during this session. And it's it's perfect to me because like the music is generally pretty simple. Like it's well written and it's well produced and stuff. But it's like there's not a lot of layers and complexity and stuff. Yeah. So the cover matches it because it's just simple. And I like it. Yeah, so. it's just really cool. It's kind of got like a duo tone. It's mostly like orange and brown. Yeah, I mean, this room looks barely bigger than my studio. Yeah, and it's got four four people, including a drum set and an, an upright piano. And an upright piano. Like, <laughs> you can't. There's there's no space for them to have drinks. Like, yeah, yeah. But no, I I will say this is a great candid shot. Like, so the 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 photo is fantastic. And maybe it's posed. Who knows? But. Like, <laughs> It might be, but it, it definitely looks candid. So a a plus to you guys for that. Uh, but yeah, just very simple, kind of this duo orange and brown color and the Swift. I, li- I like that the Swift is like bold, um, but pretty much pretty simple. But I love the story behind it. And there's just something about a live recording. Yeah, the energy, it hits different. The energy is completely different. Yeah. I know for, probably from like the producer standpoint that it's it's a just, nightmare. It's a nightmare. But gosh, if you can do it and do it well, like, uh, yeah, the it, problem is you probably can't do it well. Yeah. Like, yeah. And most studios aren't even set up to be able to handle that anymore today. Like the, the biggest ones are, but like, you know, we're, if we're going back to talking about like up and coming artists that are just like trying to get something started, yeah. like the studios that you're going to be working with don't have the capacity to do that. And you don't have a band either. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty <laughs> tough to, to execute that stuff and execute it well. Um, but that, that was from an era where like, I mean, I, I saw them live at least 10 times and their live sound was like almost identical to the recorded sound. Okay. And nobody is like that anymore because you're talking about like they have, you know, just four, four people to four people and that's it. 
And today, like a four piece band has 80 tracks in their songs because of the layers of guitars and percussion yeah. and, you know, all yeah. the different things and stuff that go into it. And that's just like, it's raw, but it's really well done. So, so you've already kind of done this, but do you have any final thoughts for people that are, again, bands, musicians, people that are getting ready to put music out, any final thoughts on just the importance of album covers or anything, any, any last bits of advice there? Don't skimp on it. Um, like I said, it's write a good song, uh, hire a good producer and get a good cover. Don't, don't (laughs) skimp on any of those elements because like they're all important i don't know you know they're maybe not equally important but they're all important yeah uh so yeah. basically my my final thoughts are hire josh <laughs> he you, didn't to bring me in as to, I, to plug for him <laughs> but hire josh he'll do a really good job for you and he'll work hard, i may so. have bought his breakfast but that was not the <laughs> it was a bribe it was a bribe uh, this is called shameless self-promotion yes. uh that's what you got to do when you're running a business man well brett i just want you to know it's been about an hour and a half that is crazy. Nobody's going to listen to it for this long. Oh, they definitely will. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just want to say thank you for your time. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for your friendship. Yeah. You have been an awesome friend. You've helped me kind of navigate the, the business side, the, the creative struggle and all that, which has been great. Thank you for trusting me with like my design stuff. And what's really cool, I didn't even know this until probably three to six months ago that you actually had my logo on your website and you said, and it basically just says, if you want graphic design stuff or album covers, this is who we work with. Uh-huh. I didn't even realize that. Oh, like, really? That's funny. Until you were closed, which is, <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't put it there until I was closed. No, oh, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I did that. Cause I, I used to offer that as a service yeah. to people. And then yeah. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So instead of just taking it off, I was like, Let's just refer them straight over to Josh and, and a f- few different people yeah. have worked with him, which is great. And, you know, it's been kind of a fun partnership to be able to do that. And he's had a few different people that are like have come to him and been like, can I record something? And he's like, go talk to this yeah, guy. Th- I'm um, not your guy. <laughs> so it's 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 cool to have in you know, like what people don't know is that we live like five minutes apart. Yep. Um, and we have like we work in similar areas, but they're just enough different that we kind of have our own specialties in that. So yeah. it, it it makes for a really interesting friendship and business partnership. So yeah. it's very cool. And um, yeah, so thank you for for letting me be on the podcast. And it's it's been awesome, uh, you know, like you said, to be to be a friend over the last few years and to, to watch all this stuff grow together. So, yeah. And, uh, it was really cool, you know, cause I know we've talked in the past a lot about like your business and, and backbeat and stuff like that. So it was just really cool to be able to talk to Brent, the musician <laughs> and hear kind of like that backstory and be able to share that for you. So again, thank you very much. Uh, where can people find you? If people want to find your music, people want to follow you on social <laughs> media, how can they find you? If you want them to. Um, yeah. Well, I don't really post much on social media and I don't really have that much of a web presence anymore because I just am like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just not about that anymore. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not anti that stuff. I just don't have the brain power to do it well. Cause you're so, only doing like 70 things at once. I mean, yeah. Um, so you can find my music anywhere that you listen to music just by typing in Brent Crow. B-R-E-N-T-C-R-O-W-E. And honestly, there's only a few things up there because a lot of the older stuff that was recorded with those $10 microphones, none of you are ever going to hear that. (laughs) Ever. Unless you, like, maybe if you ask really nicely and bribe me, 
then you might get a chance to hear something while I just cringe. Um, <laughs> but I've taken most of that old stuff down, um, which is really a publicity move for the studio because I didn't want people to find poor sound quality and be like, right. well, I'm not going to hire this guy. This guy. <laughs> so, so there's not a lot out there. Um, you can also check out a bunch of the work that I've done for other people. If you go to my studio's website, which is backbeatsound.com. Um, and when you go there, it's going to, pop up with a message that says, Hey, I'm closed. Uh, just X out of that. And the whole website is still active. You just got to get past that little pop-up message. That's basically there to, so people don't continually contact me all the time asking to work. So, but right on the main page, there's like some of my favorite songs that I've ever produced, uh, for different people, just different genres and things like that, that you can check out some of the experimentation that has taken place (laughs) through heavy metal and folk and the different styles of music and, and stuff like that. So yeah, check it out if you want to, but you might not want to, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, again, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Yep. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.